0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas. The new podcast from the anti-hunger organization, Share Our Strength. Listen at strength.org passion.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
3: We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes
4: I moved to Texas on a whim To see if I could fit in And I felt like a proper lady Before long I met a man I fell in love He was all I could think of (laughs)
5: Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. We are sitting in lovely Venice. Um, I love driving over to Riona because I can see the beach. Um, And we are here with Naisha Arrington. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. That
6: is me. Thank you for having me.
5: Oh my god. Thanks for, I mean, I love coming over here. Especially because I live in Silver Lake. Yeah. And I drive over here, and I hit, like, a crest, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, the beach is literally right here.
6: It's beautiful. And by
5: beach, I mean entire Pacific Ocean.
6: No, literally. And it's, like, it's the first time in, you know, 16 years of cooking professionally that I have the ability to instantly change my mindset if I need to go take a breather.
5: Oh, it's a complete... It's not like, oh, we're going to go to the dog park, which I love. It's like, no, we're going to literally sand, ocean... It's get a amazing. little putt putt boat, go out. Beautiful. Um, you've been you born and raised in LA, right? Yep. Um, lifelong Angelino.
6: Yes. Um, you know, I've traveled. I lived in the Virgin Islands for a year. Lived in Hawaii for about a year. Um, Chicago for a little bit, and Aspen. But I it's, always come back it's to. T-
4: <laughs> it's tough.
6: It's I get it.
5: I get it. People always ask me because I you know I moved from New York like a year and a half. ago. like, you going know, back to New York? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's really nice out here.
6: Yeah, it is. It's
5: really nice.
6: Yeah.
5: Um, and you grew up here, and Korean grandmother.
6: Yes. Quarter Korean yourself. My life. Yes. Love
5: your love your life.
6: Love of my life.
5: Aren't grandmothers great?
6: Um, I was literally talking to someone today, and they were like, "We should do something with your grandma." I was like, "Oh, well, unfortunately, she passed away, yeah. but her legacy lives on through my cooking and my heart, and that's." the most beautiful thing about food is that it has the ability to... The soul still lives, you know? I've
5: been slowly poaching my grandmother's... She's Hungarian, and she, I've been slowly taking them, and I remember when I first made one of her dishes for her and the warmth I got from her, oh. and I was like, well, shit, I could have just done this years ago and gotten your approval. Right. By, yeah, sure.
6: No, that's but, feeling- but that's the
5: best way you can honor them. Um, so what did she cook when you were growing up? I mean, was it, like, full-on <coughs> Korean food?
6: Oh, 100%. Like... It's funny because, you know, you don't know how to identify yourself as a biracial kid, and, mm-hmm.
5: and you, the other you're black,
6: black uh, Cherokee Indian and white, um, from my dad's side.
5: So you got a quarter, four quarters. Correct. Four, four quarters.
6: Exactly. Um, that must have
5: been an interesting uh, pantry growing. up. Oh,
6: you got to be kidding me! Like just. And it's all in retrospect. At the time, I can't say I didn't appreciate it, but I was very aware of the different cultural influences in different households, you know? So, you know, at my grandma's house, like, go there and she'd have literally, like, five pounds of garlic, like, ready for me to peel. And, like, it's just, like, you know, a pastime thing, like, watching cartoons. And, like, I remember my sister was, like, despised it. And I would always be like, I don't necessarily like doing this, but I'm going to try to find the fastest way to do this so that I can go play, you know?
5: Oh, yeah. But that brought you closer to your grandmother, right?
6: 100%. And then I really started to enjoy that and I think really started to mold my mind into like, that skill set of like staying power and like the things that... Take you know what it takes to be a good chef today, but I mean, holidays at her house was newspaper on the tables mm. and like dumpling making. We made so many and would give that out for holiday gifts. That sounds Entons. like
5: the best holiday present—just dumplings.
6: Um, I'm pretty sure that's well, like, how frozen,
5: frozen bags of dumplings are like fresh dumplings.
6: We it depends. We'd like partially cook them. Okay, you know, like kind of IQF situation, mm. and make it easy. But I'm pretty sure that's how my mom got my dad <laughs> she you know from like that's the legacy I mean
3: <laughs>
5: I you know my wife and I always go and have dumplings and I know oh, that if
2: nasty.
5: she ever brought me a bag of dumplings I'd be like this, <laughs> I'm re up. the yeah. love the love is re up. Um, and you come from an artistic family right yes right so it was like music art oh, everything
6: it's It's my favorite, I mean, I feel like, and I think that's why my heart is so happy in Venice, I mean, we're just really allowed to express um, Mm. sort of, you know, unprovoked, visceral, raw love, you know, and that's, creators of the planet are, are perpetuate that, like, energy, Um, but yeah, my dad is a bass player, and he played in an old school 70s funk band. Ooh, shout him out. Oh, um, do you know the brothers Johnson?
5: I don't I mean Well,
6: they're really awesome. Um, but he played bass with them and um, Spotify,
5: can I find him there?
6: A hundred percent. All right. They have a really cool song called Strawberry Layer Twenty Three. That's absolutely beautiful. Um and I mean I grew up like seeing these guys, Quincy Jones, you know, um,
2: who who? <laughs>
5: gotta watch. Tell gotta, me dig uh, the archives, gotta watch. <laughs>
6: um and you know, I, I love painting and sculpting um my dad was really is really my best friend in life and and him and I did martial arts when I was young that
5: is so awesome it's so tight family growing up super tight so cooking with your grandmother art yes music with your parents yes so seems like you wanted to do something creative working with your hands when did food start coming to be like oh I I really I mean no one ever loves peeling garlic but you're like I could do this full-time.
6: You know what's funny is um, I always played restaurant growing up, and then... How young? Like, nine. Like, okay. Like, played restaurant. Like, had my friends come over and was like...
5: Doing P&L sheets and things yeah, like that? The,
6: <laughs> the <lights? laughs> I wish. I was so in that skill way back then. She's sitting in
5: her room just <laughs> looking at Excel, the lights are off, it's just t- half a glass of wine.
4: <laughs> right? <laughs> i love it oh my, my god friends coming little over little right snifter. oh yeah yeah
5: yeah i don't know she's doing tastings <laughs> <weird>. with like <laughs> produce
4: <laughs> i
6: love it um <laughs> no, i literally would like have my friends come over and like we'd make my thing was always broths and soups so okay. like we'd make like broths and soups and i thought it was like i was like so cool um and then where was I going with that? So
5: You were nine, you were doing restaurants. I was
6: doing restaurants. I named my first restaurant, A plus one good restaurant.
5: <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds like a Chinese food restaurant. Tell me
6: about it. Like <laughs> all I used the good to go things. to it in
5: Brooklyn, yep. right?
6: Um, and then I graduated high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, yeah. you know, was super into drawing classes, photography, all those kinds of things. And then um I was like, Oh, I have to get a real job now. And like took some courses at community college. And then I remember that summer had passed, right after high school, and a good friend of mine that I'd grown up with came back for the summer, and him and I, like, connected, and I was like, where have you been? He's like, oh, I went to culinary school. I was like,
5: what? What year is this?
6: And I, like, I graduated in the year 2000 in high school. Okay,
5: so this is still of a time the before food had become what it is now. Well named. before. Well before. I
6: mean, I'm telling you, though, is sitting in that classroom... In the year 2000, and the first day I was there, it, like, hit me like a ton of bricks that this is what I wanted to do for the rest the, of my life.
5: And what was the makeup of the class? Because I feel now it's, you know, it's like a, it, I, you can't see the eye rolls going on. But, like, back then, who, who went to culinary school in the late 90s, early 2000s? I
6: mean, everyone from, you know, like, second career. People, mm-hmm. um, people straight out of uh, high school, and you know, people who really wanted to refine their techniques. But um, I, w- I watched it, you know, at was seventeen then, and has just seen it explode. I mean, consistently expl- I mean, crazy. Like I, it's unfathomable. Like way back then, to dream the, how it is today, and how much people have latched onto this idea that food, for me, you know, food is love, food is legacy, when we talked about food being soul, but it's the one constant thing, you know, that can live forever.
5: Oh, know? absolutely, and something in your life that's been a through line, a through line. So you so you graduate school, and uh, who'd you go work for?
6: <clears throat> so while I was in school, um, you know, I was living at my parents' house, waking up four o'clock in the morning to get to school at six um, and would go to school and then work at a restaurant called Giraffe. Mm. And that was Rafael Lunetta. Yeah. And, I mean, to this day, he's just... I love and respect him so much. Mm -hmm. True L.A. chef. Gave me my first surfboard.
5: When you say L.A. chef, what does that mean?
6: You know, that quintessential sort of farmer's market driven, but without saying, you know, I'm farm to table and like wearing that on your sleeve, like it's something that isn't so completely organic and natural, Mm -hmm. no pun intended, but, um, the LA chef, I mean, you know, his legacy, the chefs that he's worked for and, you know, who he's partnered with, I, I feel that, you know, he's one of those kind of founders of LA cuisine and and California cuisine, really, Mm -hmm. um, super fresh forward, you know. And really being able to mix savory and sweet, I think that's really something that's super indicative of California cuisine. Um, You know, it's textural, very approachable food, unpretentious. Um, And I I saw that, and I felt it in my heart when I was cooking there. And I started there as a pantry cook, and it was super hard, and I worked with a lot of Latinos, and I was like the young female in the kitchen, and it was very challenging, you know, and those were like the early molding stages of like to like staying power you know yeah the hard discipline, work yeah the
5: discipline of things course, like that yeah and how'd you wind up working for josiah
6: so <laughs> they were partners in uh in giraffe mm-hmm. and josiah split off and opened a second you know open malice
5: no small rep ra- small <laughs> you know <laughs> small what was it like working at malice
6: um well before malice uh i met Josiah and and Raphael and Josiah were opening a restaurant together called Lemon Moon. Mm -hmm. Moon Luneta Lemon Citron. Sure. So. Got it. um, That was a breakfast lunch concept and um, I came in as a pantry cook. Worked my way up through all of the ranks to chef, sous chef and then opened their second location at like the age of 22, 23. Wow. Running a kitchen and like I was like you know, I think I can do it. Like people yeah. see something in me that I did. I don't know. I'm just doing. Like I'm just right. like gun ho, putting my head down, not sleeping. Like putting everything second, everything in my life second to, you know, running this restaurant. Um, and then um, one that location, the second location, ended up closing. It was in a weird space um, in Century City. And then I went over to work at uh, Melise, and I didn't think I was ready for that. I was Why? twenty because uh I you know that was something that was different for me I'd never understood I didn't I wasn't exposed to fine dining I didn't eat like that growing up I didn't I you know I didn't understand that world at I was I was twenty three at that time twenty four and um, I came in scared yeah, nervous sure you know and um, because I came in as the vian I was the meat cook, right? So I'm cooking all the game birds. I'm cooking Cote de Buff for two. I'm cooking roasting chickens all of menu. Order fire chicken for two. You roast a whole truffle chicken, like mm. and it's this the whole it's just beautiful. I mean I mean he
5: does I mean the food is beautiful.
6: There I cannot tell you like how powerful and meaningful that restaurant is. Like <clears throat> Brennan uh, Collins was the um, chef de cuisine there when I was there. And I mean, I had a hard time there. That's like those gnarly plate and pan throwing kitchens at that time. You yeah. Know? Um, this was 2006. And um, I remember the first day I staged there, there was like a plate that like flew by my head. And, I, and I'm telling you, though, like I felt... I I was exactly where I needed to be, and that I'd almost already walked and lived these steps. Like, mm. and I felt the same way when I read Kitchen Confidential by yeah. Anthony. Like, I felt like this is like my life. Have I read this before? Have <laughs> I cooked here before? You know what I mean? No, no, of course. The way he articulates, it's just just so visceral. It can give me chills right now. But the, I'm telling you, the we, I, you know, I came in and we didn't have the two stars, so it it was super crowning moment to be a part of a team to attain those two stars and move up and just command the kitchen with you know trusai with ken with brennan those were some of the most fun cooking times i mean i remember just so many like being in the trenches you know cooking seeing like michael simarusti come in and like doing Mm. these five by five dinners and and like um david lefebvre and like all these, um, these are all the LA chefs I'm talking about, you know, like all those are my, like Susan Finnegar, like Josie, like that, those people, I want to be that chef that continues on the legacy, like the Wolfgang Pucks. Like I know he's grown to this astronomical entity, but like that thought, you know, of like the essence um, that lives on, but I'm telling you, like, so that, those were some of the funnest and challenging cooking, you know, of my life and, and I tell the cooks today, it's like, you really have to have that staying power. I mean, I was working, I was living in Long Beach at the time and coming to the farmer's market, yep. you know, battling traffic, leaving in three hours early so I wouldn't have to drive through traffic because I had, yeah, you know, my heart was in it, but you, um, you
5: had that drive.
6: Yeah. Yeah. So,
5: well, we're going to take a quick musical break.
6: Amazing. We're going
5: to come back. We're going to talk about Share, We're going to talk about your time on Top Chef. We're yeah. going to talk about. The beautiful Leona Amazing. here on Snacky Tunes. Please enjoy a track from the archives on Heritage Radio Network.org.
3: And you asked me what I live with that ghost in the house. Yeah, I would trade one year of fear for that old feeling. And my love for you Parades in this room Refusing to leave Hoping to weave my way Into the hours When you can fall asleep Oh, you can fall asleep But I'm always gonna watch you fall asleep but I'm always gonna watch you, that's me I love you with that wild love I love you with that love And the rainbow dances with Christ on the wall The requiem breaks the devil who falls And I'm free, I'm free from the pulling force I'm free from the grasp of that beautiful girl she was part of my world Before I was changed Changed from the voice Into the living thing And please let it be You still see him and me Two hands to play A song for the dead Oh, a requiem for the one Who walks through me And you can walk through me Like God and the angel Who shelters back From the beast on the hill And I'm running I ran across the killing I ran across the killing Madonna loves me Madonna holds me Madonna dies Madonna unfolds in me now I can't believe in nothing Stand before me in a big dream, asking all of you stand in my bed, shaking your head and sing a requiem for the hands God gave you. Walk away. But I'm always gonna love you, that's me I love you with how I love yeah. I love you with that love A requiem for the boy who needs A requiem for the child who feeds from the breast I can't believe in nothing
5: Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm here with the wonderful chef Naisha Arrington in the wonderful Leona in Venice. Um, I love that. I don't want to say all the, the your big cooking moments have been in L.A., but the majority of them. I know you spent time in Vegas, yeah. but the first, your first executive chef, right? No, second, second one was at Wilshire correct right what was the first one
6: first one was in the Virgin Islands at um, a place called Spice Mill Restaurant okay and that was like one of the more fun adventurous times yeah I, I went there for a season and um, worked in this cove and the restaurant is called Spice Mill it is called Spice Mill but it's in a cove I mean literally they come day boat Spiny Lobster and Sea Urchin mm. Like, sign me up. So, I came out of Joel Robichon kitchen and straight into that environment. Well,
5: also, you're in Vegas. Yes. And then you go to the island.
6: And watch this guy, sandy footed, walk through my kitchen. And, like, I, you know, all of my, like, European, like, French fine dining pedigree wanted to, like, flip the fuck out. You're
4: getting
3: sand. You know? On my what, floor? what
6: are you doing? What are you Crazy. Doing? And then I see this beautiful product and I'm like, wow, like, where are we right yeah. now? Like, this is amazing. So,. Um,
5: But so you get off the island, you come back to L.A. Yes. Because it keeps pulling you back. Yes. For those who aren't familiar with Wilshire, what was it like?
6: Um, Wilshire was interesting. Um, I left the islands, I went to Hawaii for a little while, and, um, you know, what brought me back was a top chef reached out, and, um, you know, I figured I'd interview while I was here, and, um, you know, Wilshire, for me, was the first... Really at the helm of a... I mean, we were a $3 million operation. Um, wow. And that was... I mean, every day we'd have, you know, three BOs stacked, Monday through Tuesday of... Well, pardon me, Monday through Sunday of parties, you know. Um, off-site events, and, um, you know, I had a brigade of eight. That kitchen is one of the... Well, a beautiful kitchen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for me that was really understanding...
5: An yeah. operation An
6: operation on a large scale
5: Large scale You know Because you're LA. running a restaurant And then you have all the side business
6: Exactly
5: And that side business is where You make a good amount of the margin And when you sort of take care of people A
6: hundred percent
5: So you're back here You're cooking You're cooking the food you want to cook?
6: At uh, Wilshire Yeah, at well, Wilshire yeah, well, sure. uh, You know It's always interesting When you're brought in As an executive sure. chef And I think every Business entity Runs it differently where some people have full creative control and, and some chefs don't, but um, you know, I had a good amount, but I can't say I had all of it. Sure, um, you know, I can't say I hung up my hat there. Right, you know what I mean, my apron or so to speak. But you know, damn it, if we didn't hone an amazing culture uh, and team in, in in the two years of my tenure there, that didn't. It, it was interesting, you know, because they'd gone out without a chef for a while. So I kind of inherited, like, the, uh, the like, chaos. ragtag, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, rascals and, you know. Like the
5: Disney movie version of, like, Anaheim we chefs. Or better believe like, it. Yeah.
6: Exactly. Um,
5: and then also around this time, you're, you said you're talking to top chef. Yeah. What made you decide to go on that show?
6: Well, the first time that they called in 2003 uh, ish. um... Yeah. I remember I was I had my first chef de cuisine job at a restaurant called Cachet and the hostess came up to me and I, I want to say it was a Friday night, Thursday Friday night regardless it was in the middle of dinner service, yeah. and she walked up to me with the phone and said, um, "There's a producer from Top Chef calling." And I said, "Tell them that I'm not fucking call this restaurant during service. Like, yeah. there's no respect there." And I, well, I came out on the floor. I got on the phone. I, I said that to them themselves, and I, and I hung up the
5: phone. Beautiful. And they're probably were like, "Okay, possible villain." <laughs> uh, exactly casting note
6: <laughs> which i didn't know anything yeah, but 2003, about 2003 it hadn't been
5: it hadn't been what it was today
6: man i didn't call one friend i didn't do anything i moved all my stuff from the virgin islands i moved into an apartment in venice a studio apartment i had no furniture i just got the position at wilshire I was pulling my freaking hair out so to speak got everything running did top chef and was like what am i doing here like I just I'm pretty easygoing, yeah. California girl, and it's like, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's it's a I mean, different what's it, mindset. I
5: mean, what's it like on the show? I mean, how about this for people who sit home and watch it, things like that? What are things that you just what's like one thing you just cannot really comprehend unless you actually are a contestant on the show? Well,
6: I mean, what we do is a process. Like you don't you don't get the process time. Uh, you know what I mean? Like if you're, con- if I oh, yeah. conceptualize a dish, there's no okay. Let's scratch that. Like let's do it again. It's like here now. No, you know you don't see. Like for me, my mindset was different. I pride myself on being very meticulous and sort of OCD, if you will. Or whatever the words that come along with that and I'm very like regiment like I like my things lined up and straight and counted and like there's a whole process like that's those are the things I feel go into the mindset of a good chef sure okay but what you don't see on the other side of the camera is you know while I'm trying to run a clean station like some chefs are like literally throwing blenders on the floor yeah. pots pants like I can't operate and oh, yeah. that it just drives me insane
5: and, but then they also pile on the restraints and the sleep deprivation and everything. So that's what I
6: was going to say next, and that's exactly what was my first thought, is the sleep deprivation thing. When you're sitting in these interviews, I mean, I'm telling you, there were nights where I wanted to sleep so bad, but you can't sleep because there's like, you you can't even comprehend the thoughts that are racing through your mind. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, there were overnight challenges, Um, you know, you have to go from... You know, you have to log all of your recipes And give them to, you know, mm. the producers yeah. So you're trying to write all these recipes You get called for an interview Then you have to, like, smile and be a, you know, a character so And to speak. be like,
5: what am I doing here? Yeah. And then yeah. But, you're,
6: but the thing that, for me, that's the most awkward Is you're staring into this, like, ambiguous lens Of, yeah. like, figurative people that may or may not be watching And you don't get that interaction You know, I can sit here, we can have a conversation sure. It's like a ping pong sure. table But it's like You're staring through this lens that's, like, so weird. Um, So... So, But it was
5: an experience. Definitely. And so, I guess, a two-part question. Yeah. Were you happy you did it? And what was life like after you did it?
6: Okay, so, two-part answer. I am happy I did it. Because I I definitely don't regret anything um, in my life path and career. Sure. But, um... You know, uh at the time I felt and you know people always say this in business or whatever is you should tell your like younger self to relax yeah like for me like I was just always jumping out of my skin and like didn't know like how to be or like what to do and it's like always so like riddled with anxiety all the time when I'm not even like that in my personal life you know what I mean so that was hard so um I think you know I don't regret it but I don't know. It's like a glutton for punishment thing. Like for me, I'm so like, I'm like picture, I'm going to win it, you know, cause I know I can. Right. You
5: know? so. No one, no one goes on to <laughs> any of shows and shows. Like, I hope, I, I hope I lose.
6: Exactly. Right. Yeah.
5: Um, So you get done with Top Chef. Let's talk about Leona. How did Leona come into existence? What's the story behind that?
6: So, you know, I did Top Chef. I finished up at Wilshire. I was there for about a little over two years. Um, And I said, you know, I think I'm going to take a small hiatus from this industry that i had been in it for about ten years now. And, um, you know, I started with I was going to take the summer off. And, um, you know, people kept... Sending inquiries to do dinner parties sure. and stuff like that, and little things here and there. And I, you know, the show came out, like, started a little wave there, and people were like calling me. And I went, you know, I went all over the nation for two years. Wow. Sustained my life. I felt like alive again, like I was not a shell. And, you know, I got to go spend time on farms. I went and I worked with this group called Summit. Um, who's a young entrepreneur uh, global network? And you know, I did a huge event with them and spent three months in Utah building this mm. ridiculous dining experience. Flew in chefs from all over the nation, and we literally were perched on a mountain and this huge getaway and like huge, kind of like outstanding in the field style table. Yeah. Um, but really memorable experiences, spending time with my friends who started this farm called Epiphany Farms in um, Bloomington, Illinois. And, I mean, I remember I made these muffins, and it was like getting the flour from the farm
5: next door. You saw the network.
6: Getting the strawberries, getting the milk from the butter. That was all on one plot. Like, that, I gained, regained a new appreciation and love for food. Then, um... You know, after two years, that I was like, okay, like
5: <laughs> let's put some roots down. What's
6: well, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Life on the
5: road is is exciting, and then it's a you sh- go <clears throat> Then you go like, okay, pack the suitcase. You one
3: better more time. believe it. Oh, yep, yeah, pack yeah, yeah, the yeah. knives,
6: sharpen the knives, do the site visit, do all the invoicing. Like, did everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and so now, yeah, you know, I, 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 You're
5: I, like it's time to come home.
6: Yeah, exactly, and and do it in my backyard, and yeah. Have a place of four walls where all the love goes into. Um, and that is Leona that's been birthed out of that. And has been, you know, now 16 years in it. I, when I first started out in the year 2000, I said, I am not the instant gratification chef. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I want to see all the facets of this industry. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, fine dining, taco spots on the beach. Mm. Burger places in Aspen, did, Spiny
5: lobster places in the better islands, believe it, yeah. and did yeah. all of
6: that, and then said, "Okay, well now crumple all that together." Well, what is my love offering? And this is it, you know. And um, it's food, you know. My ethos in cooking, I call my style um, progressive California cuisine. Mm-hmm. So I always, I just love the term progression. I feel like in the day and age that we're in, you know, the tech world and that space and, you know, content, all these things now that's, like, associated with the food world. But progression seems to be the mainstay kind of thought, you know, in, like, how you offer these food experiences. Um, and also, I didn't want to limit myself, you know. I think my food will continue to progress as I progress, you yeah. know.
2: I um, mean,
5: and you do a lot of work um, inspired by that ethos from, I guess, from your couple of years on the road, but even before yeah. that of working with um, Santa Monica Farmer Market, but, like, you know, you have your own little plot on on Kenny in Venice at Cook's Garden. Yep. That literally says Leona on it. Yep. And so, from literally from the soil up, you're inspiring what's grown and what's being produced.
6: It's it's everything. I mean, we get our produce, and, I mean, I'm growing stuff in that plot that I was inspired by in the islands that I couldn't find. You Mm. know, Shadow Benny is, like, one of the most... Delicious herbs I've ever come across. It's like a flower, floral cilantro flavor, but super sturdy and hearty. Like, yeah. beautiful, just stunning um, flavor profile. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, my food's very, very globally inspired. I've had the fortune to be inspired by European chefs, you know, Israeli chefs, and my grandmother. And, yeah,
5: I mean, your heritage alone is you know? is more multicultural than some people experience, so, and that was a birthright. B-
6: yeah, I mean, I, we, I would go to my my dad's side, all from like Mississippi, like you know their, you know forefathers, and have like the most amazing gumbo, you know, mm. and then go to my grandma's house and then have like all right, <laughs> I'm say
5: <laughs> gumbo dumplings, just Dad, just need uh, to do that. Um, <sighs> and so Leona has found a great home, a great success. You were named. You've the accolades have come. Uh, Eater named you Chef of the Year LA
6: First year open
5: Which is incredible I mean But Let's also say This year Top 10 dish of the year Jay Gold What was that like? Uh, And what was the dish? And how did that dish Come into existence?
6: Just Unbelievable I mean it's believable Because it comes Yeah it's believable It's believable Yeah believe in
5: yourself Yes I know Right?
6: Yes Yes Absolutely Um, So it's funny I was Butchering fish um, It was Friday night And one of my cooks came in She gives me a big hug Casey Korn Love her And sh- she said congratulations And I hugged her And I said Congratulations to you Yeah You know And she's Right Yeah And um, you know We talked about the, Being the top ten dishes Of all of Los Angeles And by
5: the way That man eats So To be in the top ten I don't even know How many dishes he eats In a year Anyway
6: it, No Yes It is It is It is um, a and, beautiful thing And
5: so what is the dish And how did it come into existence
6: So the dish is um, A roasted dumpling squash mm-hmm. So I've been working with this farm Tutti Fruity, For many many years And they have a killer squash Called dumpling squash And it, it's kind of like a delicata In that it's very thin skinned But super delicious flesh It's like almost creamy mm. uh, And um you know in this day and age people really are interested about what they're putting into their bodies for fuel also as well as where it comes from so you know i wanted to make a dish that is going to be appealing to vegetarian and meat eaters alike Mm -hmm. so
5: the squashes are good good platform for that
6: exactly um we were in fall at that time and you know i was eating very well the squash was eating super delicious so um i wanted to make something that was gluten-free you know it's not like the overarching style of my food but um this dish really hit a lot of platforms um so we did i wanted something super like unctuous um so i did like tapioca based risotto so what we do is kind of lightly cook onions well we cook them actually all the way through but no color, just really translucent in color Um, and we fold that into blanched tapioca, white wine a little butter, Mm -hmm. some marscapone um, and some parmesan cheese and um, we fold all these delicious flavors together, finish it with chive and then we roast our dumpling squash and um, toast the seeds and fold all that together fill the squash back up uh, and then finish it with our verrata uh, and stop. it's perfect dish. it's perfect it, it, it's crunchy it's silky you know it's meaty you have a knife you can cut into it with a knife and fork
5: and you can eat it by yourself which most people do <laughs> or you can share it with others exactly exactly and I uh, have just people have been coming in ordering it non- yeah can't, I can't take it off the menu nope, nope.
6: no and so now I it's actually a verbal because I love part of the experience is and what makes my heart sing is hearing our service staff talk about these dishes of course you know and so i'm very adamant on having everyone taste everything you can't go on the floor unless you haven't tasted yeah or you heard it come out of my mouth or you got your descriptions but um i don't even put it on the menu i just you have to talk about it every time because it's so it's so beautiful and we we put that on our um, New Year's Eve menu to mm. celebrate, you know. Of course. F- and that was a, it's a beautiful thing. Um,
5: Just drop the squash at midnight, right? Yeah,
6: exactly.
5: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, Chef, thank you so much.
6: My pleasure.
5: Thank you for spending time with us. Always Congratulations on everything. Also badass women of LA Chefs LA Weekly there's too many accolades we don't have enough time. we don't have enough time there's too many good things and then all of your charity work and everything it's all awesome
6: that's what drives my heart is the charity stuff
5: it's sure. awesome well we appreciate it appreciate you uh, how's your Instagram game Do people people, You got a good game Or Leona got a good game We
6: got a good game uh, My Instagram And Twitter Are Naisha Joyce uh, All one word Okay um, But great game And then Facebook page is At Chef Naisha Harrington.
5: Awesome Walk-ins Reservations People just come Swing by Have a glass of wine
6: 100% We keep a, a Nice niche For Um Neighborhood Very
5: important Perfect That's I've always found The true successful restaurants Are neighborhood joints 100% And you have created one of them So thank you so much My pleasure Got another love track From the Snacky Tunes archives Here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org
7: Oh is me Faithless, you selfish me I will leave a key for you Outside my dark way Woe is me What if I live or two I see, so won't you leave for me a lie outside, you don't wait eh. On a ladder from there to here I climb Oh, this clatter between my ears I find Does it matter if I can't clear my mind There's a right and a wrong time Channel, channel, you faithful me. I will be the one to gaze on you discreetly. Yeah. Slow your speed. Turn yourself around and follow me. cause I will be the one who prays upon you sweetly. Yeah. On a ladder from there to here I climb Oh, this clatter between my ears I find Does it matter if I can't clear my mind? There's a right and a wrong time Oh, From there to here I claim All this clatter between my ears I find Does it matter if I can clear my mind There's a right and a wrong time there's a right and a wrong time. There's a right and a wrong type. Oh. 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 oh, oh. oh, oh. oh.
1: passion and stir big chefs big ideas the new podcast from the anti-hunger organization share our strength brings together your favorite chefs and amazing social innovators to discuss how food impacts almost every major issue you care about your health your environment and your children's ability to learn Uplifting stories from chefs like Michelin star winner Jose Andres.
5: People want our respect. People don't want our dirty shoes and our old
0: pants. People want us to show up and show them that they really matter to us.
1: And Top Chef winner Brian Voltaggio.
0: Hunger has many different faces. You can walk down the street every day and see children playing in the playground. They're hungry. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know if they're going to have dinner.
1: Can be heard at strength.org passion. You can help change the world by changing the way we think about food. Listen at strength.org passion. That's strength.org passion.
5: Welcome back. We have Hannah Gill and the Hours. Which should just really be our the minute the minute the minute, the minute. Yeah. Hannah and Brad welcome to Snacky Tunes.
8: Hi, thanks, thanks for having, for having us. us.
5: Yeah, it's great to have you here in this winter winter edition of Snacky yes. Tunes. Are your feet warming up?
8: <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, slowly but surely. <laughs> I mean,
5: when you hear that it's one degree outside, you don't really understand it, and then when you get out there, you're like, I should have had better yeah. boots.
8: I should have put on that extra pair of socks, but you live here. Hannah and you walked learn. here.
5: Hannah walked what twenty five? It months. was
8: it wasn't six that bad hours it was yeah uphill
5: both ways yeah down yeah. both hills
8: yeah yeah
5: that was me uh, you're from Maryland how does this winter compare to your Maryland winters you
8: know it's it's the exact same really the only difference is that if I want to go somewhere here I have to walk so you know if it's 20 degrees in Maryland it's no big deal you can wear whatever you want hop in a car but if you're in New York. You really have to brace for the elements. So that sucks. But I've acquired a lot of pairs of wool socks since being here. So,
5: A lot of your songs <laughs> talk about moving from Maryland to the big city. What are some of the things that you've pulled or some of the lessons that you've seen from being here? And how has it influenced the type of music that you're making?
8: Yeah, um, I think... This is, I don't I mean, I just love the pace of the city, I guess And, you know, you, you see a lot of different people living a lot of different lives And I guess it's a cool element that I didn't necessarily have before I, before I moved here Because you can really use other people's lives and other people's experiences to help you kind of write And I just, I guess, create new things You see more than just your perception of what the world is
5: and how has that influenced the, is it influenced the music that you make, or what's in the lyrics, or both? Um,
8: I think it's a combination, you know, and I also think the music has altered a lot because of the phenomenal people that I've met when being here, and Brad, I know you're the same way, you know, and so it's, it's great because, um, you know, you get to meet all of these new people, and they can really help alter your sound, and the lyrics are also inspired by things that just happen in day-to-day life, so of course they affect it in some way.
5: And how did you two meet?
8: That's actually a funny story, and I'll give you the short version because I tend to drag it on. It's, but um, It's
5: internet radio. We have 19 is, hours. There we go. Yeah.
8: No, you have all okay. the time just in the world. <laughs> but no, so I um, I did this talent show back in middle school, and I had just transferred schools. And it was uh, just a little tiny talent show, and I won this talent show being this new kid in eighth grade.
9: It was American Idol.
8: Yes, it was an American <laughs> Idol. Yeah. I want it. <laughs> um, but so my 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 dad had like a really proud dad moment and took the video of me from the from the um, talent show into his work and showed people that he worked with and one of the guys was like, Hey, um, I don't know if you'd be interested, but my son has a recording studio up in New York City. Do you wanna take your daughter up kind of as a birthday present and just record a few songs, like covers just so she knows how it feels? And my dad was like, I don't know, she's a little young. I'll put it off for a few years. Um, So he did. And for my 16th birthday, I came up to New York and I saw a Ben Howard concert in Central Park and I went to Brad's studio um, and I just recorded two like just silly covers. You know, I think I did one by Kimbra and one by Jason Mraz (laughs) and um, at first I could just tell that Brad didn't want to be there. It was a very favor to his father. But then by the end of it, I think he wanted me to come back. So I came up a month later, and we recorded an EP. And then I just kept coming up.
5: Is there any truth that it's like, son,
9: I need you to do a favor <laughs> for me? Like, boy. Boy. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've, I, we do a lot of those things, you know, where you have... Um, not necessarily 16 year olds, but people (laughs) coming in wanting to live the dream and then you tune them up and then they're so happy and they get to take their, you know, recording away. But so it was definitely a a favor sort of situation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're always okay. And I knew I was going to play guitar and, and, um, had to learn these two cover songs, I think. And, you know, it was, it was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And, and, uh, I think your dad was with you, so yeah. um, I think I had met him once before. So it was it was fine, and then she started singing. I was like, "Oh, whoa!" It's like that scene in Once, where the engineer like actually starts to pay attention and right. just like, "Oh, wait a second, that this says. is not exactly. this is not like <laughs> all the other else, ones." Totally, yeah. I was like, "Oh, we don't have to tune her actually," you know. And it, it was uh, um, a engineer friend of mine, and I. And we were just like, "Wow, you got to come back up. You're you're really good," and um, you know, she. I always think it's a cliche to say an old soul, but she is. You know, She's uh, at 16. It's like, well, you're we hanging with us old dudes and uh, <laughs> not missing a beat. And yeah, she's just extremely musical. And, and you, you both know. have a shared background in jazz as well, right?
8: Yeah, I mean, I kind of discovered my passion for jazz music when I moved up to the city. So it's not a huge background in jazz, but...
9: <laughs> yeah, Hannah's a baby. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I studied jazz, and, and when Hannah moved up here... We decided to do a 1920s 30s project um, called After Hours, and just to make money on the side. And um, we went to the studio with a bunch of awesome musicians and recorded a quick EP, and then started doing parties and weddings to subsidize the original project. And it's been a lot of fun. And where do you, which side of jazz do you land on? Is it the uh,
5: singer in the front with you know kind of jamming in the background, or is it more uh, improvisational? Or what era?
8: Um, it's definitely catered more towards um, swing or um, I guess trad jazz. So I, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's um, you know it really all depends on the venue. Sometimes you know we definitely like a lot of freedom and the um, the amount that you get to hear the individuality in each musician. So there's plenty of solos, but I wouldn't call us uh, improv or anything anything like that.
5: But. And what's the makeup of the the group?
8: Um, the jazz group. Mm-hmm. It all really depends on what, what people want. Normally it'll be um, guitar, bass, vocals, and trumpet. Sometimes there'll be a drum. Um, I know we used to do this jazz brunch at this cafe uh, downtown called Cafe Vivaldi, and we would sometimes have a violinist come in. And So it's really just these great, talented friends that we have, and whoever wants to come in and hang out, they can. They never let us down, really.
5: And going back to the the uh, you know the main project, how did that begin to form, and where did the music come from and where did you two begin to overlap? So it wasn't just a solo project but actually a band.
8: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we when we first started, we kind of just uh, went under my name and it was just Hannah Gill. Um, and I know I was doing, I was playing a lot of Brad's songs because, like he said, I'm a baby at this, you know. <laughs> so it's, um, I'm still, you know, I'm still learning on how to, you know, really crank out tunes or really sit down and write plenty of songs on my own. So we definitely started like that, and then I think slowly my my tunes kind of got woven in. And I know I think we just realized that. You know Brad does so much for the band and all of our other talented musicians are so great we wanted it to be more than just me so then that's when we kind of decided to call it Hannah Gill and the Hours so I think now we've got it to the point where it's a great blend of both Brad and I's tastes and what we both like in music and I think that lends a really individual sound to what we have Can we hear a song? Yes (laughs) What are you going
9: to play for us first? We're going to do Austin which is the first song off the EP and we have a video for it that we shot down in Austin (laughs) Great. Live on Snacky Tunes.
4: I moved to Texas on a whim To see if I could fit in And I felt like a proper lady before long, I met a man. I fell in love. You understand. He was all I could think of. Oh, 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 oh Stan, you were my first lover. Why do you say you love me if I meant nothing to you, Lord? Oh, Stan, you were undercover. Why? to Kansas to move on I drank whiskey until dawn but I missed that loving or well, I went back to find that man I found him and got a job in my hometown and I felt like a bruised woman Before long I began to think that man would be the death of me So sure, I'm gonna kill him oh, 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 oh Stan you were my first lover why do you say you love me if I meant nothing to you, Lord, Stand, Stan, you were undercover Why'd you say you love me? And then you found another Lord Oh, Stan, you were my first lover
5: You made a couple of references to you being a baby and and new to this. So with your first EP, The Water, which came out earlier or in spring, it's yeah, the yeah. 2017 already. <laughs> to get used to that. What did you want to capture or what did you want to try to say with something that you knew was so fresh and so new to your musical career?
8: Yeah. Um I don't know. I guess I just I'm I'm still trying to find my way. So this that new EP that we put out was really a good way to kind of just, I guess, show who I am and the type of music that I like to create and the people that I like to work with. And I think it's just, it's a good it's a good starting block to build off of, I think.
5: So do you think it's more of, I don't want to say positioning, but just an introduction to who you are just to get yourself out there? And well, yeah, av- of
8: course. I think that's what everybody's first EP is. You know, everyone, they're testing the waters and I think they're, um, from there, that's a good way for people to get to get uh, used to what you sound like. Or not used to, that sounds terrible, but I guess decide <laughs> decide if they like you. She's fine,
4: I'm used to it. I'll get used to yeah, it, I, yeah. I, We'll get used to it. <laughs>
8: but you know, I guess it's a good way to get people to, under, I guess, understand what type of music you're making. And then from there, you can go and put something larger out. And that way, when you do, and after you've spent that time making the album and creating all of these new songs and these beautiful arrangements, then that way you have a group of people that already know what you do, and then they can come and appreciate it for what it is.
5: It's interesting to say that. I know, Brad, you mentioned one of your influences, Annie DeFranco, who is one of my favorite artists growing up. Have you listened to her first records to when she finally added in horns and everything? You could tell by the time she got there she'd been waiting for the money or the time <laughs> to add that in. So Hannah, I put this back to you and Brad as well. Are there things that you want to add on, let's say, EP4 that you didn't <laughs> um, have the chance to do this time around because it's something you needed to build to or didn't have the resources or the right people?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think I, our EP right now has got a lot in it, and I'm pretty happy with it, you know. But I think, um, um, I don't know. I, I love the, uh, I would love to kind of have maybe like a, I don't know. I'm really into like gospel blues right now so it'd be really fun at some point to do like an EP kind of along those lines but I think I'm just I'm super happy on where we are right now and what the EP sounds like and I think the best thing about listening to an artist's progression of CDs or things that they really put out you can see how they grow as an artist and how their tastes kind of change and I guess twist around other things that they are passionate about so I don't know what we might want i before the fourth EP. If
9: anything, we start chipping away. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, some of my favorite records of Ani's are just her, you know, playing guitar and stripped down and, you know, as a guitarist, you could really hear that, her percussive plank and stuff and so. Um, I think one of the best songs on the albums is the last one, which is just acoustic guitar and vocals. And, um, it'd be fun to do more of that stuff. You yeah. Know, and cheaper.
4: Definitely cheaper.
5: <laughs> and so the EP has been out for almost six months now. Yeah. Uh, what have you seen in the response or what have you learned from it um, or how people reacted to it being out in the world?
8: Yeah, people seem to really like it, you know, and it's it's cool because uh, you get you get different feedback. You get one group of people that are like, oh my gosh, I love how big the the uh, EP sounds, I love all the horns, I love all the background vocals, um, and then you have other people that are like, wow, I love the way that you guys perform live, where it's just three or four pieces, but then, you know, you hear that, and then you listen to the EP, and then you hear out sounds of the full sound, and so I don't know, I think, I think people are enjoying both sides of the spectrum right now, so.
9: I think when we do the full band show, um, which is when we're in the city um, playing, people are are digging it you know we got a really great musical director Danny Genicucci, and he put together a killer band and so it's some of the best players in the city and they uh they just kill it you know so and then with Hannah's energy um I think uh that's where Hannah shines the most with the with the big horns behind her and and yeah it's uh, drums but but we were on tour for a while and, and it was just three pieces and three piece and that was fun too you know you make you make do and and get creative with things Has the Strip Town version
5: influenced the big band version coming back? There were things that you learned from the road that came back and made you, like, okay, we have access to all these things, but maybe, like you said, you start to chip away at it?
4: Yeah, I think
8: so. I think it's made us kind of appreciate hearing each instrument, you know, as its own element, you know? Because I think when you play with a big band, it's very easy to, I guess, lose some pieces among all of the other instruments that are playing. So I think by playing stripped down, you get to appreciate certain elements and you could say, oh, okay, I know I want to hear more of the trumpet here or maybe let's break it down so that you hear more of the bass or more of the percussive element. You know, that way we hear how good it sounds broken down and that way we know which elements we want to keep minimal and which elements we want to make bigger, so...
5: Are there just times on the road we're just like, oh I would kill for a eight bar trumpet
9: solo right now?
8: Oh yes. All the
9: time. <laughs> <laughs> really a bass player.
8: Yeah. yeah.
9: <laughs> a we'll, start, a bass player. we'll start with some rhythm and then right, we'll to... right, yeah. <laughs> end we well it's you know, we chose a trumpet player to come with us as as, a, as our third piece, which is Probably not the first um, <laughs> Or second Second or third, or third Yeah Choice Hopefully um, he
8: doesn't hear about that yeah, one <laughs> Yeah no,
9: He's the worst yeah. uh, but, but why did you choose that Over uh,
5: a bass player Or, yeah, or keys mean, or anything I don't like? really know well,
8: So our, <laughs> <laughs> Those are just our Less space in the car Yeah, yeah there we go it's, He's more compact Yeah, yeah. But, no, love, our trumpet player is also our musical director, so it's one of those things. He's, he also plays keys, so he got a Nord that, you know, can also carry the bass line, and then also if we want to hear the trumpet in there, we can. So multifaceted. <laughs>
9: I think it, you know, really shapes our sound. You know, if we didn't have a horn player in there and then you heard the record, you'd be like, whoa, this is really different, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and I and it, it does really help things out with a solo, a solo instrument. You know, it's like he can, he... uh and he's such a showman <laughs> he's such a dork and it also <laughs> bounces
5: from things not sliding into someone's first and last name just being singer songwriter and yeah. being pigeonholed yeah.
9: in that way exactly yeah we both love cake and you know they, you, you, you know they, they just kill with that trumpet player. And, I yeah. think
5: the first two Cake records might be the best road trip records of all time, Oh, without yeah. a doubt. Darren and I have spent many a road trips just being like, let's just yeah. let's just put it on. I again. know
8: every word yeah. to every song on the Fashion Nugget album. I,
5: I do too. <laughs> which is actually going to be the rest of the show where we just sing sing yes. the show to each other. Let's Let's well, just do a Cake set. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can we hear another song? Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna play for us? Cake. Cake.
8: Um. No. Um. What do you think?
9: Change of uh, let's do, let's do the water. Okay, maybe. all right. Can I so,
4: get you to take a picture for social media? Oh, yeah. Social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't you hear the water rolling down the mountain, rolling down the mountain the running. To the sea, can't you feel my heartbeat? Steady as a drum, babe. Steady as a drum, babe. And to into me. Oh, 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 how time moves slow. And, and fill it in, fill it in your soul. Let me hear you go. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh.
5: mentioned earlier that you started baking in ninth grade to yeah. combat anxiety <laughs> how did you land yeah. on baking <laughs>
4: uh
8: because i'm a total dweeb i guess but um, i don't know i um, i always enjoyed working with my hands and that was also the time that i kind of discovered pinterest so my life was forever changed <laughs> um but no i just i realized i always loved to cook um but I, there was something about baking that I really enjoyed because you can follow the recipe and you kind of get to just turn your brain off. And if you do everything that piece of paper or that web page tells you to do, you'll end up with something delicious. So it was a great way to kind of just focus on that.
5: I prefer cooking because if you don't follow it, you'll still get there. But baking <laughs> is so true. so exact.
8: Don't get me wrong. I, still, I love to cook, too. It's one of my favorite things.
5: <laughs> but, but how did it help you combat your anxiety or how did it allow you to interact with people? Well,
8: you know, just kind of, I've got, I don't know, I guess, you know, I'm a very extroverted person. I love to be out and to talk to people and to have a good time. But then at the same time, you know, just like everybody, I love to have my private time and I guess... The time that I feel most relaxed is when I can just turn on some music and work with my hands and make something out of nothing that I can later eat and enjoy.
5: (laughs) What is your star recipe?
8: Oh, my star recipe. Um, It's actually, yeah, so I make these eggnog snickerdoodles. Okay. And they're perfect for this time of the year. But those those are pretty solid. And I make a really good blueberry peach pie.
5: Are these your own recipes that you've adapted, or something that you follow that you just now claim as your own?
8: I mean, they were originally recipes that I found and followed, but it's gotten to the point now where I make them so often I kind of just have it memorized and I will tweak them a little bit, you know. But
5: what's the Hannah tweak?
8: What's the Hannah cinnamon? Yeah, there's more cinnamon in the snickerdoodles. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, (laughs) I drug all of my Uh, baked goods. This is
5: so good. (laughs) I love you. And you also mentioned that you make French macaroons, but you're, like, at the beginning of that long, long journey.
8: Yes. I, I haven't been able to do it as much anymore because it's a very expensive hobby to have. But, um, but yeah, no, I've successfully made macaroons maybe five or six times. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, it's great. Any time that I have more than, like... $10 in my, like, okay-to-spend jar, I will go out and I will make macaroons. What's
5: the non-professional chef's secret to a good at-home French macaroon?
8: Parchment paper. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford those fancy rubber mats that everyone has. One day. <laughs> one, one day.
5: Enough, like, jazz gigs and you'll get there.
8: Yeah, I'll get the nice silicon baking sheet, yeah.
5: <laughs> so what's next uh, for 2017?
8: Oh, just making more music you know we've we're bubbling with new ideas and i know i've spent the holidays writing and we're hoping to get back into the studio and record and just i don't know i guess work on the hannah gill and the Hours sound so
5: another ep lp single i don't
8: know i think it all depends on really where we want to go as a band i just know we're going to put something new out and it's going to be great Leave you, leave you in suspense. Total if suspense. You will. <laughs> uh,
5: well, we want to make sure we get time for one more song. So, where can people find the EP? Find yeah. your gigs.
8: Um, you can find us. You know, we've we're all over the place. You can find our music on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora under Hannah Gill and the Hours, and we've got our website, HannahGillAndTheHours.com. You'll find us on Facebook. We, um, our Instagram is Hannah Gill the Hours, and the same with Twitter. And we actually have a show at Rockwood Music Hall on the twenty-first, stage two at. Eight? 8 p.m., 8 p.m. Yeah. yep.
5: And any tours coming up, or just New York for the moment?
8: Just New York for the moment.
5: Not and that it's a bad place gonna to be. going to enjoy
8: where we are, yeah. I know, I
5: love that. Every time I come back home from the road, I was like, oh yeah, I live in New York.
8: Oh wait, this is really cool, This yeah. is really
5: cool, this is like our, the default city.
9: <laughs> this is cooler than where I was, even though I thought it was cool were there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
5: mean, that's the whole great thing about evolving through life. You yeah. get to the place where you're ready to be at. Yeah, Exactly. Right. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having thank us. You. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in this week, and make sure to listen in next week for another episode of Snacky Tunes. What are you going to take us out with?
9: Against the Wall, the last tune on our yeah. EP. Oh, the stripped down one. The stripped down nice. one. So we're going to do this stripped down. Stripped down. Strip down. <laughs> stripped strip down. So it's just going to be...
8: Take off your um, jacket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
9: okay. Um, yeah.
4: Back and forth between the day and the But I don't mind Storms around me Trickle and through the midnight sky But I don't mind Gonna have to face it Gonna have to let it in. Up against the wall in fast shots are shot to me, to me, yeah, and after all, beauty seen falling three. Mm-hmm. The bones are breaking. Making room for the ghost of you, I never knew. Guess who's beating down the walls that you never used, you left the field. Gonna have to face it, you're gonna have to. Show!